Hey guys, welcome to the SEC Block Party. My name is Andrew Plugge, and sitting here next to me is my co-host and wonderful wife, Tori Plugge. Hey everybody. Hey, if you never want to miss an episode, please make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram under the username at SEC underscore Block Party. And if you do enjoy our podcast, please go rate and review us on iTunes and SoundCloud. This week, we are going to be covering the Mississippi State Bulldogs, but before we dive in, Tori, can you please share with us the conference standings? Absolutely. So sitting for tied for first place, we have number 13 ranked Florida and number 15 ranked Kentucky. They are both 8-1 and one in conference. Georgia follows closely behind them at 7-2, and two, followed by 24th ranked Missouri at 6-2. and two. Receiving votes A&M and Ole Miss are both t- uh, six and three in conference. Then we have South Carolina at five and four, LSU at four and five, Alabama at three and six, Tennessee at three and seven, Arkansas at two and seven, Mississippi State at one and nine, and then Auburn is zero and nine in conference. Right now. Uh, one particular game that we loved last week, which is really fitting for our feature this week, is the. Mississippi State game, they got their first conference win of 2019, Hale State, on Friday night against the Auburn Tigers, and we will go into that in greater detail a little bit later. Our SEC Players of the Week, uh, we had uh, co-offensive players of the week, Florida's Thayer Hall and South Carolina's Michaela Robinson. Our Defensive Player of the Week for the second week in the row is Kentucky's Gabby Curry. The SEC Setter of the Week is Missouri's Andrea Fuentes, and the SEC Freshman of the Week is South Carolina's Mackenzie Mormon. A couple games we're looking forward to next week. A&M has a, a little doubleheader of good games that we're looking forward to. It's a couple great matches from the top half of the conference. We On Friday night, we have Texas A&M playing Kentucky in Lexington. And on Sunday in College Station, Texas A&M plays Missouri. All righty. Well, let's learn a little bit about Mississippi State Volleyball, taking a look back at their overall program history. They are in their 45th season after their first year being in 1975. Their overall record is 544 and 859. Their SEC record is 100 and 427. Um, they have never made an NCAA tournament appearance, and so we've got Julie Darty as the head coach um, here in her second season really looking to turn that program around for the Bulldogs. Yeah, so the, the Mississippi State Bulldogs had a tough schedule for the first half of their conference. Um, they were unable to get a win, even though they showed a lot of promise in their pre-conference. Uh, they started 0-7 in SEC play until – after really impressively starting the season 11-1. to um, Leading the way for the Bulldogs are four underclassmen attackers. You have freshman outside hitter Callie Minshew. You have sophomore outside hitter Paige Shaw. You have sophomore Gabby Waden and sophomore middle blocker Deja Robinson, making them one of the youngest starting lineups in conference, which has got to be something that Coach Darty is really looking forward to moving forward as they uh, as they grow up and mature in the program. Uh, over the weekend, though, they uh, welcomed the Auburn Tigers to Starkville on Friday. Uh, and at that time, both teams were looking for their first SEC win. Auburn started off really strong, taking that first set from Mississippi State 25-17. to The Bulldogs, though, however, were uh, able to answer the call and, and get the win in the second set 25-22. to after, after they got the, all the momentum, State ran away with the match, winning sets 3-4, and four, holding Auburn to only 15-16 and 16 points. 
in that match they had there was four state players with who had double digit digs which is really impressive uh, they were able to play defense across the board and uh, that statistic uh, is they're actually third in that statistic in the SEC uh, in dig, total dig, so good for them. They then traveled to Columbia, Missouri for their Sunday match, and they were unable to snag a set away from the 24th-ranked Tigers as they lost that contest three sets to none. As we previously mentioned, they have a really young team that that just has to grow up together. They have the whole second half of conference play to keep improving, and Coach Darty has a lot to look forward to in the future with this squad. Now, moving into our guest portion of this week, uh, Jenny Hazelwood is no stranger to the Mississippi State Volleyball Program or the SEC. She is a former player, head coach, and is now an analyst for ESPN and the SEC Network. Hey, Jenny, how's it going? Good. Good. Thanks so much for joining us. We're so glad to have you on. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Well, let's just uh, get right into it. So you have lots of ties to Mississippi State. So why don't you give us a little overview um, about all of those? Yeah, so I played volleyball at Mississippi State back in the 90s, so I'm old. And um, my husband actually played football there. And we obviously met while we were student athletes. And um, so we've, you know, we got married, uh, really, I had a year left to college. So I played my senior oh, wow. year as, as Hazelwood. Yep. And he was a year ahead of me. So, um, so yeah. And then, you know, got into coaching right after I graduated. It's actually kind of a funny story. Um, back then, you know, we really just started using the internet. It, I mean, it really wasn't that, you know, used that much uh-huh. and, um, cell phones weren't a big thing. Um, when the athletic director at Mississippi College had heard that Brian married a volleyball player because he's from Clinton, which is where Mississippi College is, they actually called his parents' house to get our house number to call and see if I would come interview for the coaching job at Mississippi College. And um, at the time, it was, you know, part-time. They were still Division Three. got my master's, and, um, and have been coaching ever since. So... Um, and then after a number of years, went back to Mississippi State as the head coach for six years. Okay. And so you ha- have found yourself still living in Mississippi. So tell us a little bit about what you do now, um, just as your regular job, and then how you work with the SEC as well. So when we got out of college coaching, so my husband coached with me, so that's why I'll say we, um, it also owns a commercial heating and air conditioning company, and they are based out of Carthage, Mississippi. Um, it's kind of Philadelphia, Carthage. So he was about an hour away from Starkville, and we knew that um, we wanted to kind of move to this area. His family's in this area, in the Jackson Metro area. So, um, so we moved to Madison, and it's still it's about an hour commute. So that was a, kind of an easy decision there. Um, and then, you know, we knew one of the things in coaching at Mississippi State, we really didn't have the ability to recruit players from this state. And we knew that there were a lot of athletes in the state of Mississippi uh, that they just weren't really getting a lot of training at an early 
typically age and some would play club as they got older, but then at that point they're pretty far behind. And uh, another big factor for us was our daughter. She was a lot younger than I think if she had been older, we may not have stayed in Mississippi because she loves volleyball and we wanted, you know, we would have wanted her to have some good opportunities and, but she was still 11. And so we thought, you know, we can make a difference right here in central Mississippi and, you know, help other athletes that really love this sport start to grow at a little bit of a faster rate and have opportunities to play the next level. That's so that's a really cool story. And, you know, Tori and I have only been here for a couple of years now, but you know, the state or the volleyball players in the state really have to appreciate people like you who, you know, finally did it and, and did something like that to help people in this state grow better to be able to perform at this level. Um, I think that's really cool. And, you know, it's cool because we do still will get messages from parents whose daughters are playing in college, just thanking us for literally thanking us for moving here. And, you know, or teams win their the state championship, Clinton won the state championship and like thanking us for helping their daughter. And so it's just, it's been really cool, really rewarding. And that's, that's really, that was the biggest thing we wanted to do. So it's been really fulfilling with that. The other thing I knew I would get into after coaching was um, I am an analyst for ESPN and the SEC network. And so, you know, it was something that when I was still coaching in college, I met a guy who was, he's an agent for broadcasters. So he was like, Hey, I get phone calls all the time looking for volleyball talent and I don't know any. So would, is that something you'd be interested in? And I said, actually, I'd love to do that. So we just stayed in touch um, through the years. And so obviously when we were no longer coaching in college, I you know, gave him a call and said, hey, okay, let's do this. And I've been doing that in the fall for the collegiate volleyball season um, since then. That's really awesome. And we'll get into that a little bit later as well. But before that, can you tell us just a little bit of what it was like playing a sport in the SEC? Well, there's a lot of pride in the Southeastern Conference and you feel that right away. And so that was really cool. Back when I played, we also had an SEC tournament. So that was, that was a neat experience. I mean, I know there's some back and forth between coaches of whether or not to bring it again. And, and as an athlete, it was fun. But as the coach, I understand kind of some of the reasoning to not have it. So um, so I'm kind of neutral in that one. But, um, you know, the I equate it like this. So I'm from Houston, Texas. And if you know any Texans, we're very, very, very proud of where we're from. We're proud of our state. Yeah. We, it, it just, it's Absolutely. A, it's a Texas pride thing. Well, I, I tell all my Texas people who are a lot of big 12 and, you know, I'm like, you know how we feel about Texas. That's how sec people feel about the sec. Like we mm. just think we're better and <laughs> you know, it, and not in and, and a, it just means like, more. It's, that's right. I mean, it, it's, and so it's funny because you kind of get into some of these little discussions with <laughs> non sec people. And anytime I say it like that, talk about like the Texas pride and then like the sec has a similar, like, well, we just think we're better they kind of don't argue much anymore because it's kind of like, well, okay. And um, so it's just, it's neat. You know, my husband played in the SEC championship game, his senior year for football. And um, so that was, a, that was a really cool experience. They lost to Tennessee. It was a really close game. And then Tennessee won the national championship that year. And so, you know, just hearing his experiences too, like 
playing in LSU's stadium, like his helmet would shake because it was so loud or, you know, just the SEC is just different. And it was the same with volleyball, even though the SEC is not in a huge volleyball footprint, there's still a lot of pride in all of the institutions. And, you know, it, it so it's cool. I mean, you, we go on vacation down to Gulf Shores and you are going to see nothing but people on SEC stuff. Yes. So I just think it's, I just think it's different. Everyone's got their, everyone's got their team flag. Yep. On the beach with yep. them next to their, their chair. Hats. Yep. Yes. <laughs> As Texans, we totally get it. Like that yep. makes, yes. that's a perfect analogy. It's yeah. amazing. Yep. Well, it's really funny too. I actually, um, when I was coaching club back when I was still in college, I had a, a coworker who went to Texas and he was like, it was right after we had moved to the SEC and it like really frustrated him that people would like chant SEC at stuff. <laughs> And he was like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Like, nobody chants for the Big 12. And I was like, yeah, but that's like, that's the problem. Like, yes. that's cool <laughs> that everybody in the SEC loves being in the SEC. Like, yep. It, yep. You, it, you just don't get it unless you're in it, I guess. Yes. Yep. And, and like, if, you know, if an SEC team is playing a non-SEC team in any sport, I want the SEC team to win. Every time. And so, I mean, even sports like gym, gymnastics, equestrian, you know, like, I'm just like, oh, sweet. We kept it in the SEC. It's just a oh, thing. Now, and the SEC is really good at those two sports, too. So that makes yes. it even better. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. So. Well, uh, what to you it makes Starkville so special? We love our SEC college towns. And, and give us a little insight as to uh, why Starkville is attractive. It, it definitely is just that. It's a college town. And not having professional sports in the state of Mississippi there, there is even that much more dedication to the universities in the state. So it, it was really nice to be in an area that they would come out and support, and they still do. You know, there was a great crowd the other night at the Auburn-Mississippi State match, and it, it's just, it was really neat to kind of feel that community support that I think you're not going to get in some of the bigger cities. You know, there's professional sports going on, people are doing all these other things, and you know, in, in the SEC towns, and Starkville's one of them, it, it's the university is what everything pretty much revolves around. And so that was really neat. And, you know, when I was coaching, the best thing when you get home at three o'clock in the morning is the fact that I'm home in 10 minutes. And I, I, that may sound silly, but I could get to my kids, you know, this little lunch thing, this Thanksgiving meal, this book reading. I, I could go do stuff at my kids' schools and, you know, not, not be gone from work that long. And I feel like that's a special thing as a coach because you, you already miss enough when you're gone all the time. And I loved that aspect that everything was close and connected, but because it's a major university, there was plenty of stuff there too. And, you know, you're in the South, so a lot of good places to eat. And um, so anytime we go back to Starkville, there's the verandas, one of our favorites. You have to go eat there. And um, just, you know, Obie's is another local place. It's really good. So there's just kind of some of those um, Starkville things that you, that you love. And then people stay. So anytime we go back now, we get to see so many people that we've known. You know, the SID when I played, and then he was our SID when I coached for a little while. Then he retired. Well, I saw him this past weekend. And just to me, that's special because. Yeah, that's got to be just, pretty cool. I can't imagine you get that in a. In a city so in so you have you've had a lot of experience in the conference you've played in it 
you now work as a commentator. You know, you traveled to a lot of different places. Tell us a, uh, from your perspective, especially as a club coach, I think this is valuable to our listeners. Tell us about the growth you've seen from the conference. The nice thing to see in the SEC right now is how many teams are competing at a really high level. And I think that people don't realize just how much the SEC. So I mentioned earlier, the SEC is not in a volleyball hotbed compared to you know, the Midwest or where the Big Ten draws a lot out of the state of Texas, you know, where Big 12, well, everybody recruits out of Texas, but uh, California and, and the Pac-12 recruits a lot out of there. So, you know, the Southeast is not a huge volleyball footprint, but the fact that the SEC schools are so well known across the country because of the success in all the sports, it's still still SEC schools have the capability to go recruit nationwide and the schools are a name, you know, their name brand. And so it's been really cool to see programs continue to move higher and higher on a national scale. And a lot of times, if you look at rosters, they're not doing it with a ton of players from the Southeast. And so I, I think that that's pretty remarkable because it's, I don't know if people realize how hard that is to do. Yeah. And so it just, I think it speaks to the coaches in the league. I, we have some fantastic coaches. I mean, they just, you can tell, I will get, have a team early in the season and then have them later in the season with ESPN. And you can tell that they're significantly better. And, and I mean, that just, that you can tell that that means good things are happening in their gym. And it's not just like, Oh, well, they're a little bit sharper or whatever. It's like, Oh, they're a lot better in this or in that. I mean, I had Alabama this past weekend and even though they lost to South Carolina, their defense was so much better than the last time I saw them. They were making plays that they were not making before. And so just when you see that growth, even just within a season, I mean, within a few weeks, really, you know that that trend is just continuing and teams are, you know, super physical. The SEC is very, very physical. And I think with the coaches that that we have in the league, we are having even more uh, higher volleyball IQ players being, you know, or players are being taught the higher IQ stuff. So the SEC had, had you know, been for a while just – a physical conference, but maybe not as skilled, if you will. Um, you know, the Pac-12 can kind of sometimes have that skill, finesse. Um, and really, I think the Big Ten's a combination of both, physical and skilled. And the SEC was kind of in that physical, to me, just a lot of physical teams, but maybe not always as skilled and, and with their touch on the ball and stuff. And, and I believe the SEC is moving definitely into that physical and skilled category. I might be a little biased, but I think, in particular, one coach in the SEC is phenomenal. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> well, don't you think, too, Jenny, that <clears throat> with how many more games are on TV and just accessible to fans, that that is just helping the sport just immensely? I mean, now you want to talk about kids in our state. <clears throat> not necessarily being a hotbed, but now they can turn on their TV and watch a collegiate volleyball match and see what it's supposed to look like. I mean, I, that's got to just be a huge factor in that. It definitely is. And of course, you know, ESPN you know, owns the SEC network. And so they're contractually obligated to put 
a ton of volleyball matches on television, which obviously that's why the SEC, it's a win-win. Mm-hmm. Win for the conference, win for ESPN, to get the best conference on television. And so it, the SEC gets the exposure, the national exposure, that the families get to watch their their children play on TV. Yeah, I think and that's got to be a big bonus yeah. too. Mom and dad can watch their kid whether they no matter where they live. Yep, and yeah. I will say when I first moved here, I did not feel like many of the athletes that were playing club were watching all that much volleyball on TV. And now I get comments all the time, players and parents seeing one of my matches. And I mean, you're talking about one of however many that are on TV that week. And so like they're watching Mm -hmm. and I think it does create that hunger for them to work harder and get better. Yeah, for sure. Um, so as you've mentioned, you've been to all the SEC schools, um, we're always curious, you know, as as a unbiased SEC commentator, right? What is your favorite SEC campus to visit? Yeah, well, it, it, that's a it's a pretty hard question when you just think about the campus because there are a lot of unbelievable campuses, and and a lot of them are different in different ways. I do, you know, I I, I think campuses like. Auburn, Alabama, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, some of those, Kentucky is, you know, maybe kind of a mix between, a, a, you know, a rural, it's a rural campus, but also city. Um, so they're all different in different ways. But I think I just personally like the ones that are a little more, you know, the green space and it's not all crowded and it's not in, kind of in the, in the city. Mm-hmm. Some of the SEC schools are, in, you know, the campus is kind of in a city like area. So I, I really prefer those. Um, Texas A&M is, um, you know, it's a it's a big campus, but it's pretty spread out. But it's it's really nice too. So I defer to then what my favorite SEC trips are, based on the restaurants that uh, I can go eat at. Absolutely. <laughs> what my favorite? Yep. What my favorite restaurants are. And so number one on my list, and you know, this I, I'm guessing a lot of uh, listeners may not have heard of this place. There's a place in Columbia, Missouri called Flyover. And the guy that opened it was a very well-known chef from somewhere that wasn't Columbia, Missouri. And um, then opened this restaurant. It's kind of a, you order food, like plates of food, and then you share it with the other people. And it is literally some of the best food I've ever, ever had. Every time we go there at as our TV crew, we go eat there because it is, you have to, it's that good. What, what kind of food is it? Is it because you said it's family meal or family style? Yeah. Like they'll have just even their Mac and cheese is unbelievable. And they have pretzel bites that you dip in some sort of cheese sauce and their different meats are good. Like there's um, some pork thing that's really good. And and they changed the menu, you know, like there was one kind of dumpling thing that he made one of the times we were there and it was good. I mean, there's literally never been anything I've eaten there that I don't just love. The pizzas are good. Uh, so it's just, it's a cool way to try kind of some different things and, um, but it's all amazing. So you definitely have to check that out if you have time when you're yeah. in Columbia, Missouri. So, and then, you know, there, there are some other real, of course, I love the veranda in Starkville. It's really good. And it, they just have some great things on the menu. So we always go there, uh, in Fayetteville, Arkansas, there's a place called Conqueso. That's like a kind of a 
one of those taco places. It's a little more gourmet or whatever. And, and it's really good. So when, anytime we go to Fayetteville, that's where we go. Con queso. Yes. So yeah, just, yeah, sadly enough, it's, uh, it's a lot about the food of where I look forward. That's not sad at all. (laughs) That's what the South is all about, Jenny. We, we love our food. (laughs) And then the Texas girl in me, of course, loves going to Texas A&M because Tex-Mex is just different and you can't get it in Mississippi. So I always have to go get some Tex-Mex with yellow queso. Yes. And it's queso, not cheese dip. They call it cheese That's dip right. here. <laughs> the Texan to me just, whew, it drives me crazy. But yeah, <laughs> that's so funny. So, in all your commentary work, and this is a like kind of a personal, selfish question because you may or may not know this, Jenny. Last year, I got to do color commentation once for the SEC Plus Network for oh, the Ole Miss that. Alabama game. But they have they emailed me earlier today and asked me to do one again for the Ole Miss Missouri game. So like I hear it all the time, you know, when speaking to so and so before the game. Are y'all actually speaking to so and so before the game, or like how do you actually prepare for matches? Yeah, so we have conference calls before the match. If we've covered a team like. If I had a team last week and I have them again this next week, we won't usually do a call. Maybe we will if the person, the play-by-play person I'm working with hasn't talked to them and they're going to do it anyway. So I'll, I'll get on the call if I can. So yeah, we, we really do. And on, you know, there are times that we can't get our schedule and the coaches schedules to work out because we're flying in and out of, you know, for different events, then we'll at least try to go to their practice or their serve pastime. And they'll make time to meet with us. So yeah, we have we have to talk to them because it's you know it's it's how you get obviously some of that more in depth information that you're not going to find on their website or in their notes or anything like that. So we spend um, you know a good deal of time. And of course, I know all the SEC coaches. So, you know, a lot of times we're just catching up in general when I see them and, you know, our general normal conversations really can lead into more volleyball stuff. So, so that's really cool. And, you know, there are some coaches, one of the best coaches to have a conference call with is Jason Watson. He's funny. He's really, really funny in like a dry way, but he's got a, a really great sense of humor so um, and he's kind of so, quiet too so you don't really expect it yeah yeah yep. and, and and he will just say the wittiest things and it's just always entertaining but he also will go in depth about volleyball stuff which obviously I love so um so yeah I mean we do we talk to coaches and and then I do go listen to other matches and um you know just hearing what the other announcers say And things that, you know, if the coaches told them, just you might pick up on little tidbits here and there. And a lot of times you're you're picking up on maybe, you know, if someone was out with an injury, but now they're back. You know, some of those kind of things that sometimes coaches just, I mean, they forget to mention it. And so when you're looking and if you don't, you know, kind of pick up on, well, wow, she didn't play in these two matches, but has been playing, you know, you may not know. They're very true. Well, I'm I'm really excited to do it. I again, it was kind of last minute last year. I didn't have a whole lot of time to prepare. I feel like this year I do. So I feel like I need to. I, there's some more expectation that I think I'm just putting on myself. <laughs> but well, and having I need some expert advice that, for sure. Well, so and then you know you put all of that on your boards, which for me like it's just a regular you know 
size sheet of paper. Some people go with the bigger ones, uh-huh. but, um, but I regular size sheet of paper, one for each team. And then I put all of that information that we gather, whether it's team info on like in a column or the player info kind of by their name and where it's just easy to find. And then, so I am someone who is visual with things too. So mine's color coded by position because as a coach, my brain works by position And so like all of the outsides on my board are one color. So if they put in an outside that's not regularly starting, like I can just quickly go find the colors of them and find out, you know, find that one. So that just makes it a little easier for me. Um, And, you know, I've I've learned through the years what information I do and don't use. And I used to put like every stat in there, Uh but then I wouldn't, I wouldn't really use it. And then really what was more applicable was what was happening in front of us and you have the, the notes in front of you if I wanted to go look up someone's stats coming into that match. So, um, so I've definitely gotten a lot better at knowing the type of information I'm going to use. And honestly, like my memory's pretty good. You know, it's maybe not as good as it used to be, but um, it's pretty good. So if I, a coach and I've talked about something, I can remember that usually and I don't have to go find it in my on my boards, but it's there in case I forget. Well, thank you very yeah. much. I'm sitting here writing all this down. <laughs> so, but you just work SEC matches, correct? Or are you working other conferences as well? I'll, I'll do some of both. So, you know, I had Purdue at Kentucky. Yeah, you know, I've done some, you know, some ACC. I've done some Big Twelve. So I've, you know, I've done various. I mean, what that. What I feel like they do when they're scheduling us is they do try to give us overlap mm-hmm. uh, because then it makes the preparation easier. If you always are preparing for two new teams every time, you know, we're going twice a week, it's really hard. So, you know, this that's why you'll see more of these people kind of stay in the SEC and these people are now staying in the ACC. And it just really it makes it a lot easier, you know, to prepare. It makes the product better, too. I do too. Yeah. Cause you know, I mean, I, I know every sec team really well. And then when I'm doing it from year to year, I mean, I remember the players from last year, so it is, it does make it easier. Yeah. We, I mean, I feel like that's a big part of the reason Andrew even got asked last year is because we do this podcast. I mean, we're, we're diagnosing each team this year one by one specifically. So he should have a pretty. I, t- I told him, I said, we can do Missouri right before you're supposed to do your thing. So yes. <laughs> you can do your homework yeah. with the podcast and for the commentary. It'll be great. <laughs> yeah. And I can send you my boards and you can see at least what I have when I had them. Oh, please. Yes. I would love it. I would love it. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, all right. And so we are new at sitting in front of microphones and I feel like, several times a recording i'll be like andrew we need to cut that out (laughs) or we'll do something (laughs) and say something a little silly so we're kind of curious if you've ever on live tv had anything uh that you maybe wish you hadn't said yeah because you can't go cut that out for sure i I know i have especially early on and i can't you know you tend to block that out really i think after you're just pretty embarrassed about whatever it is you just said but i I, so i can't really remember but i know i've said some things i'm like that was really stupid and you know i'm sure i'm getting blasted on volley talk it's fine but um (laughs) you know it it really you really hope that you wouldn't say something stupid but you'd be surprised because there's so much going on 
and you're trying to like get your thought out and, but you're also trying to kind of wrap it up, you know, it, it, yeah, you can say some stupid stuff and, and look, I mean, obviously I, I watch or li- and listen to a lot of other matches and I've heard other announcers say some stuff that's kind of stupid. And so like, I do, I think cut them a little more slack than maybe I, I normally would because it's like, I mean, it's happened to me too with, you know, I, I, like I said, I wish I could think of some of the things that I've said that you just, oh, I've learned to kind of go a little bit slower mm-hmm. and, you know, not, not just talk if I don't have a a good thought, if that makes sense. So I'm not just going to talk to talk. If I'm going to talk about something, it's, I'm going to have like an actual clear in my mind what I'm trying to say. I'm sure it's probably easy to mess up names too. I feel like that's where I would probably struggle the most is with pronunciation or even just like getting them out correctly. (laughs) Yeah. And some of the ones that are harder to pronounce that can be difficult for sure. The one thing that, so I've worked with Courtney Lyle a lot and she and I both will kind of, if like, if I've misspoke someone's name, she would point on my board to who I should have said. And I've done that for her. And so like, that's a way that I can correct myself, mm-hmm. you know, where it's, it, so it doesn't sound maybe quite as dumb. If you say someone's name wrong, you're like, you know, I'm sorry, that was so-and-so. Right. Uh, you, you know, so just, like helping each other out there a little bit. And, um, you know, I mean, there, there's been times, you know, I read somewhere something about, um, like the doubles amount of doubles called in different conferences and wherever it was, it wasn't accurate. And then like the head assigner in one of the conferences that was not the SEC cause she loves me, you know, was like upset that I, you know, misspoke on that. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like it, it was a mistake. Like I, I'm not a numbers person. So the fact that I got the general numbers correct mm-hmm. of like what they are, I'm like that I could not have made that up because it yeah. does not work like that. So, so it was like, you know, so you definitely can offend people and it's like, you know, it's not a perfect world. Yeah. Yep. I think the, I think the silliest thing I did was I would, and you'll have to help me here. Is it the producer who's talking in your ears? Is that the correct term? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. I responded to the producer without hitting my silence button. <laughs> oh, okay, I've done that. No, I've done that. Okay, but fortunately, it didn't maybe come across to everybody because it was a situation where, because I think it was before the challenge review was in play, but I don't know because it's been a few years and. Um, so we are trying to get clarification. We're at South Carolina, so we're on the side of the table and the teams. And so like, we're trying to figure out what they're even doing. Maybe there, it was still, you know, with the challenge. And so we're asking, you know, so they're asking me, Hey, can you find out what, what they're talking about basically? And so I forgot to hit talk back, but I said, well, the assistant coach is coming over here to tell me now, because it was someone I knew. And, uh, and, and I was, I was speaking to the producer, but I said it on air. And again, not one of those things that maybe people would, would easily pick up on, but I cert- most certainly did not mean to say that on air. So I think Andrew said like, got it or something. Yeah, I was just like, was like, okay, good. I'll, they're like, all right, I got it moving forward or something like that. Like completely off topic. <laughs> yeah. 
He did good though. I mean, it was it was very last minute, so we'll be we'll get better this time. But um, that's all the questions we have for you, Jenny. So thanks so much. Um, and just from a Mississippi coach uh, to another, we just really appreciate everything that you and Brian are doing for the sport um, in our area, uh, and not just in Mississippi. I mean, in in the southeast, it's really just great. And so. Um, a big thank you for that. And um, I hope you had fun on the podcast today. It was awesome. Thanks for having me. All right. Bye, Jenny. Bye. Wow. Thanks again so much to Jenny for coming on. Um, All of our guests this year have really been amazing and just have provided such unique insights, I think, to different programs and even different parts of the athletic department. That's so true, and you know, at Tori and I are both really enjoying the the guests. So I hope, as listeners of the podcast, you guys are enjoying them as well. Um, and now I am going to sit back and relax, and Coach Plugi is going to tell us a little bit about what it means to be a six rotation setter in volleyball one hundred and one with Coach Plugi. Uh, so, like Andrew said, we're going to talk about the back row setter today. This is a topic that can be very confusing for new fans. Um, Sometimes you might see the play going on and all of a sudden a whistle blows out of nowhere. And if you don't know what's going on, you probably won't understand the signal that the ref gives. Um, So just a little bit of background. The setter is usually the second contact of the three allowed contacts. During a match, you might see a tight first contact where the setter has to go up tight to the net jump and set a ball to keep it on her side of the net. Um, There can be two different violations that can occur if the setter is back row, meaning she's in um, the back row of the court, so she's not allowed to block. Well, so just to clarify, she starts on the back row. She's allowed to go up to set the ball at the net, but in the rotation she's in. Before the ball is served, she must start on the back row. Because that's the rotation she's in. We talked about rotation in one of our very first volleyball one ones. Yeah. Um, so the first violation that can occur is that the setter jumps and contacts the ball after it has crossed over the plane of the net or or the neutral zone of the net. This is illegal on the setter if the ball is touched or blocked by the opposing team. The second violation is that the opposing block comes over the plane of the net, so over onto the setter's side of the court and touches the ball before the setter has a chance to set. So, Tori, real quick, what does that mean if the setter is in the front row and not the back row? If the setter is front row, then the setter can be as aggressive as she wants. It doesn't matter if um, the ball is on the plane or not. They can jump up and attack the ball over the net because they're a front row attacker at that point in time. But a blocker can still not reach over and interfere with the set because the blocker is never allowed to reach over onto the other side of the court. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, thank you very much, Coach Plugi. Absolutely. Um, Now for my one more thing uh, in our guest speaker, or I guess our guest interview today, I mentioned that I am going to be color commentating for another SEC Plus Network game this year, and it's going to be the Ole Miss-Missouri game on November 27th, I believe. It's on a Wednesday. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. This will be my second time to do so, and I have already been building up expectations in my head. I don't want to have a sophomore slump. (laughs) Uh, I 
I'm looking forward Only, to it. Exciting, nowhere to but, go but up. I mean, that was right. your first time. That's it's right. the night before Thanksgiving. So it's that Wednesday night before the Thanksgiving match. It's our senior night. So no pressure there. I'm, uh, I'm pretty excited about it. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot different than podcasting. I know Tori and I get in front of a microphone every week and, uh, and talk about volleyball, but it's different when it's live. Absolutely. Yeah. You don't get the uh, stop, pause and start option and editing out but yep 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 okay guys well that's all the time we have for this week and next week we're going to be covering the bayou Bengals of lsu for their matches against south carolina and mississippi state so please be sure to tune in yep see you guys later all right bye